0: Hello, Turks and Caicos, how you doing out there? Central Hong Kong, Grinnell, Iowa, Albuquerque. I love the word Albuquerque. I love the way it's spelled, and I love the Partridge Family song. Point me in the direction of Albuquerque. RIP David Cassidy, love of my life. What's up, Omaha? You guys, I'm just listing some of the places I've seen you listening from. Hello, everybody. I love you. My name is Robin, Robin O'Neill. This is me reading stuff where I read you something, I talk to you, I tell you how I'm feeling, I hope you're feeling well. And sometimes I plug a few things. Like right now, I can't help but to plug the fact that I just learned that some of my drawings are used on the cover of the newest Dave Eggers book. Everybody, that's right, Dave Eggers, Robin O'Neill, collab. Um, it's it's so exciting. So I'm gonna put a link in the description where you get you guys can buy the new book, the Every, uh, both from the McSweeney's store or from Electric Works, um, and just so you know, this book will not be available on Amazon. And I love that about it. Uh, Let me read you. Let's see. What am I going to read to you about? But yeah, it's only going to be through independent bookstores and at McSweeney's. Um, So anyway, oh, I know what I'll, I'll read you guys this because my girl, where is she? Sherry Turkle wrote a little blurb about this book. You guys know I love Sherry Turkle from The Empathy Diaries and the one about conversation. Anyway, I love Sherry Turkle, love Dave Dave Eggers, and here is her little blurb about this book. Eggers proposes an uncanny world on the border between the impossible to imagine and the already in play. Every reader is implicated. We are all members of that passive army willing to trade freedom for convenience. As digital culture blossomed, people wondered if machines could be made to think like people. The more compelling questions is the one Eggers poses in the every. Are people content to become machines? So, um, and here's a little, here's the brief description about the book. When the world's largest search engine social media company, The Circle, from the book the circle emerges with the planet's dominant e-commerce site it creates the richest and most dangerous and oddly enough most beloved monopoly ever known the every delaney wells is an unlikely new hire a former forest ranger an unwavering tech skeptic she charms her way into an entry-level job with one goal in mind to take down the company from within yeah delaney with her compatriot, the not at all ambitious Wes Makazian, they look for the company's weaknesses, hoping to free humanity from all encompassing surveillance and the emoji driven infantilization of the species. But does anyone want what Delaney is fighting to save? Does humanity truly want to be free? Studded with unforgivable characters and lacerating set pieces, the every blends satire and terror while keeping the reader in breathless suspense about the fate of the company and the human soul. Um, so the great thing about this book also, besides it being amazing and not being available on Amazon is it will be coming out with new covers all the time. So I'm a part of this first round of artist uh, design covers and then, so you just don't know which one you're going to get when you order it. You may get mine, you may not. So if you see mine out on the shelves of your independent bookstore, grab it and um, take a picture and show me. I haven't seen a real one yet, so I'm excited about that. But I figured a lot of the listeners of this podcast would like to know a lot of, a little bit about that. And um, I'm sure probably 100% of you are Dave Eggers fans. So there you go. Look into that for me and maybe just know that I'm very happy. I mean, that was just a great, uh, just a great moment of my life. You know, it made me feel really, really good. So also kind of along the same um, message there. Today, something so bizarre happened When I was listening to a podcast, somebody actually said on, I'm not going to say what podcast, but I heard somebody say they were explaining, well, you know, they were talking about something in the seventies and it was a crime and they said something about the magazines in the room and they're like, and you know, magazines, they were, you know, kind of like a newspaper, but not daily. And I'm like, who needs to be? explained to what a magazine was. I mean, I don't know if anyone's a younger listener, like age 16 to 25, I would love to know if you find it, you find that as absurd as I do because magazines are still everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I can't imagine a world that I'm already, I really had no idea what world I was in when I heard that on the podcast today. I was making my salad for lunch and I heard this guy describe what a magazine was and I thought, oh my God, am I dead? And I am peering into time a time in like 2099 or something. I, I just don't, or what do you call it, 2099? I don't even know how to say the years anymore. I don't think ever since we went from 1999 to 2000, I've never known how to say the year. I mean, it drives me crazy. 2020 was easy but I think I, w- I, and I know I'm supposed to say 2021, but I tend to want to say 2021. <laughs> God, everything stresses me out. I just tried to take a nap and I, man, I was even trying to run through gratitude lists and stuff, but I was just like, I had to hop out of the couch and get back to work. Cause I'm like, I can't just lay here and think about shit. And the things I'm stressing out about are so pointless. Like, One of them was, oh my God, gardening. Like, I feel like, okay, it's now pouring buckets of rain nonstop. I have a flood happening in my driveway that I don't even want to get into into you about it. I don't even want to get into it with you right now because it's going to make me more upset. Um, Also, there's a part of my roof that had to come off and now I'm... And then when that happened, then all the rain came. I mean, I have to basically man the fort 24-7 to make sure there's no leak coming in this one area of the house. My garden was so amazing, right? I, I really did feel like I lived in a botanical garden and an herb garden and a vegetable garden this summer. And it was unreal. And I'm so happy. But now I have like maybe six tomato plants that are still just bursting at the seams with tomatoes. And I'm giving them to my neighbor, Don. I'm giving them to Sarah. I'm giving them to all sorts of people. But now I just give up. I don't even want to go near the tomato plants. I don't know what I want to do. I just wish someone would come and rip everything out for me. And I'm already stressed out about next year. I'm like, do I do this again? I mean, it went so well and it made me so happy, but it's so much work. You have to water the tomato plants every single day. And Oh my God, I don't know. And all the flowers are still, you know, I had this wildflower mix that was so incredible and had more flowers than you can even dream of, but now they're all, you know, sagging, but they're still growing. So I'm like, do I do I let them just hang over the edge of the garden into the driveway or do I, do I tear them out? Like it feels horrible to tear them out if there's still flowers growing, but it looks really kind of sad. Oh my God. You know how some people get really stressed out when, they don't like having fresh flowers in their house because it kind of makes them depressed when they die. Well, I'm imagine that depression if you have that and then multiply it by a fairly large yard and garden and imagine how I'm feeling right now. I am just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with me. I, I have some, you know what? It seems to come in cycles of like four days, four days of being highly anxious about everything. And then another four days after that, I'm kind of like smooth sailing. I'm totally fine. Today, you're catching me on a day when I'm not doing so hot. Let's talk about the School of Life dictionary again. Okay, I've read from here before, and everybody seems to have a lot of fun when I read from it. I'm speaking for a lot of you who have not weighed in, but that's okay because I don't know. I think that's okay. Okay, I'm going to read about, well, anyway, you guys can find this book. Well, okay, I, I've, put, I've put links to Dave Egger's book, like I said, both on McSweeney's and Electric Works, and I'll put another link to The School of Life where you should buy this. And again, I'm going to remind you guys, as I always do, to buy these from your independent bookstores. If not from my direct link, find them at the independent bookstores. You can't find Dave Egger's book on, um, on Amazon anyway. How did I not remember the name of Amazon? That's crazy. You see why I think I'm living in a different time period? And, you know, everything Damien and I watch is not of this time period. The I mean, except for The Real Housewives, I watch a lot of that. But um, for the most part, all the drama shows I watch, they're all recorded so long ago. So I am constantly confused on who I am, where I am, what's going on. I can't remember if I told you guys I've got all these old recordings of Young and the Restless, Bold and the Beautiful, As the World Turns, all these old soap operas and old commercials that are just constantly playing in this mini TV in our bedroom. And so anytime I wander by, that's what I get to hear. And it's, it's just such a relief. And I'm sorry, but... And then when you watch old game shows or you see people talking in interviews back in the 90s, um, I mean, I... I realize I sound like in my day, we'd walk through the snow or whatever that trope is. But um, I will say people seemed happy and carefree back in in those days, whereas now people just seem dead all the time. And I, I don't know if anyone else knows what I'm talking about or if I sound like a crazy person, but... I just recommend go watch the first episodes of Jeopardy, for instance, like the first couple of seasons, and you'll see what I mean. People like very highly intelligent people who are great on the show are just like having fun with life, whereas now people are just bizarre to me when I see them. Um, I don't know. See what you think. I mean, I trust me, th- this is a generalization. I know people are having fun all the time. I mean, I don't know. I say that and then I'm like, no, they're not. People aren't having fun anymore. It seems like and l- who thought that I'd be the one like uh, prescribing fun to the to the masses here? I mean, I don't know who I think I am. But I mean, I do have fun. I know that I don't have traditional fun. I have fun sitting here in my studio, drawing and watching endless hours of old soap operas and unsolved mysteries and stuff. I have fun sitting, looking out my window and watching this willow tree across the way blow in the wind for God knows how long. And I don't even know how long I've been there and my eyes start watering because I've been looking so long. That's fun to me. Um, So anyway, I don't know, I just, I, uh, you know what? That's enough. Let's, let's speak. Let's, let's read from School of Life Dictionary. I feel like I, you know, I haven't talked a lot lately. I only talk to Damien once a day and that's the only time I really talk. So I'm a little out of practice, you guys. It's kind of strange. It's, but that's fun too. That's really fun. And I love only talking once a day while Damien's out of town. It's, it allows me this time to just Oh, live in my head and like I told you guys last week I believe it's just been really nice and also I have done some amazing cozy stuff to this house like every day it gets cozier so there you go um all right this is the little chapter called ugliness most of us are to some extent ugly we should accept the we- <laughs> I'm sorry but I love that <laughs> <laughs> they, they just got right to the point, didn't they? We should accept with stoic good grace that personal appearance is simply one of the least democratic parts of life. That reminds me of this time. Oh, my God. This person I know once told me that they wanted to write a book about how difficult it is to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, next paragraph, we tend to misunderstand how common ugliness is, in part because the images in the media always highlight the pretty ones. In truth, beauty is as rare as mass murder. The problem is that we tend to think there are far more murders than there are. Thanks to the media, it can feel as if everyone is knifing everyone else. We recognize symptoms of panic when the frequency of a bad thing is exaggerated. We don't yet recognize a similar hysteria when the frequency of a good thing gets exaggerated. Fortunately, that's a good point. Fortunately, not everyone minds ugliness. The reason is simple. People learn about love from their parents. Our elders provide the template for affection that comes into force when children grow up. Fortunately for the ugly, many parents who are kind and loving are also peculiar in looks. Many people, even very attractive ones, therefore grow up predisposed to think generously of not-so-perfect people. They are the physical types with whom they continue to associate comfort, safety, and tenderness. Ugliness is fascinatingly impervious to class and status. Given all the inequities of the social system, it is some form of compensation that there should also be, alongside the near-feudal ranks of money and power, another hierarchy based on looks in which a different elite is established and where the shop assistant may triumph over the CEO. However, oh, sorry, however random the distribution of appearance is today, time will eventually bring justice. No one ends up happy with how they look. For some, disenchantment may start at 10. For others, it may require another 40 years. It always happens. The trouble with our culture is not so much that we love appearances, but that we allow too narrow a range of features to dominate our understanding of beauty. There is ultimately something attractive in everyone. Perhaps an August bearing to the forehead, a melancholy sweetness in the eyes, a candor in the nose. We should broaden our criteria of where we find beauty, and hopefully someone somewhere will one day do the same for us. I love this. I love this, and I don't know how many people need to hear that. I mean, um, my friend Aaron was talking about, I can't remember exactly what it was, but something about trying to look better that she ran across on Instagram. And she's had a good point. Like, are we even thinking about that anymore? <laughs> like, how can people be thinking about that kind of stuff right now after 2020 and 2020 20, whoa, 2021? Um, And I agree. I mean, I do think this last, the tragedy of the last year and a half has woken people up to a lot of things, like what matters and what doesn't matter. And thankfully, a lot of that of the, you know, perfect appearance has gone away. But I think for a lot of people, it's also been highlighted. Um, I only know this because I just heard it on one of the Real Housewives shows. Um, Heather from Salt Lake City, she was talking about, oh, yeah, because she has like a Botox business or something. And she goes, yeah, we have had so many more calls because, you know, everybody's just at home and they're looking at their own face and they're seeing what's wrong and blah, blah, blah. So I think some people are taking all of this and using it to beat themselves up, and others are like, who, more like me right now. Who I've you know grown my bangs out. I do look better with bangs. I don't care. I don't have the time or energy to keep up with it anymore. Um, so I'm letting this forehead fly proud. You know, this is my forehead, and it's out now. And I don't look as good and, um, you know, I'm getting older, I'm getting larger, I, you know, need better bras but refuse to wear good bras anymore because they hurt. And all of that to say that this little chapter on ugliness kind of spoke to me and it always does. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. When they were talking about, okay, you know, your parents teach you about these things or just being around them and they're probably not the most perfect looking people. I unfortunately, and fortunately, I guess, because they're great, but unfortunately, my parents happen to be very attractive. Like, still, they're 70 and 69. And they look better right now at 70 and 69 than I did when I was, you know, 28. And that's just how it is. And I don't know why or where the hell I came from. But um, so that's hard. And in fact, I've seen, I'm not going to say it because not that any of these people would listen to this podcast, but there are a couple of housewives um, on Bravo who also have like, it's clear their kids aren't as beautiful as they are. And it kind of breaks my heart because I see them and I'm like, I hope that doesn't bother them. And you know what? It didn't used to bother me when I was younger. I don't know why, but it bothers me a little bit more as I get older. I'm like, why do I look older than my parents right now? And anyway, Anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about here. All I know is I love the School of Life Dictionary. Its uh, subtitle is The Language of Emotional Intelligence. And as you guys know, I am all for anything that brings about a higher level of emotional intelligence for all of us. I need so much help all the time. And um, yeah, and I'm always working on it. I'll tell you this, if I seem highly flawed, I know that. And I also am trying so hard to be better, to be more fair, to be more loving, to be less critical, Um, but still stay critical about the right things. Obviously, you got to stay, you know, with it. You got to have opinions. You got to have thoughts. The last thing I want to do is be blasé about everything. but, you know, to always think about the other person and what where they might be coming from. Um, oh, you guys, I started something. I'm going to give you guys a little teaser <laughs> of something that I may or may not start, which is, okay, first of all, I know that there are too many podcasts out there. And I know there are way too many TV show podcasts. But I thought about bringing my own edge to a young and the restless podcast so here's a little teaser for you um but yeah that was so awkward a little bit for me because I know that feeling of feeling like you should be doing something to be a good family member but then again you're just like this is so not my thing and like she said stay in your lane it's true like Phyllis doesn't need to be coaching a black football team (laughs) all right With that, we have completed our first podcast. The YNR Podcast uh, by Robin O'Neill. I love you. I miss you, Devon. I miss you on the episodes, Devon, when you're not in it. Adam, I always miss you, too. You are my guy. Sally, you're my girl. Where are you? Come back. Adam and Sally, get together. Devon, keep your shirt on. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good night. Talk to you soon. Okay. Uh, It was hard to figure out what the hell to put as a little teaser for you, but you get the idea. It's me just talking about the show. I don't give any background. So (laughs) if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm not going to tell you who they are, probably. It's just me kind of talking about, it's just my reactions to what I've seen on the show that day. Uh, and by the way, you—you're just to be clear, this whole thing about the black football team is a joke that I said earlier in the show because they were talking about, this. this guy kept talking about his son's, I thought he said black football team. And this, I was like, why do they keep calling this a black football team? And then I finally realized they were talking about a flag football team. Oh my god. Anyway, and also you guys got to hear me talk about my favorite couple, which is they're not a couple, but Adam and Sally, and basically my whole life is revolved right now around wanting the two of them to have sex with each other. So, that's pretty much the focus of every day right now is me hoping for that to happen. I am this close to starting some fan fiction. And if I've I've kind of hinted at doing fan fiction in the past. And this is probably the most I've ever wanted to. So, um, by the way, I don't know if I'm really doing a YNR, Young and the Restless podcast. This is just something I did for Damien while he was out of town. And I think he's the one who wanted me to do it. No, it was his idea. He's like, you should do a Young and the Restless podcast. Because I have been searching for podcasts to listen to about the shows I watch. And I hate to say it. I don't like any of them. I just don't. They're not good. They're not fun. So, and they're they're recorded horribly and all this other stuff. So, I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm thinking about it. I mean, why not, right? So, weigh in. Let me know what you think. If you think that's something I should do, uh, I will think about doing it. Well, that should about do it for today, you guys. Uh, remember, just a reminder to anybody listening. I'm not for everybody. This podcast isn't for everyone. The Young and the Restless podcast that I might or might not do will definitely not be for everyone and probably for nobody who listens to this one. And that's okay. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for always listening, always responding to me and telling me what you're liking, what you're maybe not liking about life, about your jobs, about your emotional state, about food. What are you guys liking food-wise right now? What are your go-tos? I made some shata this week, and I'm putting it on everything. Shata, Middle Eastern, well, Palestinian hot sauce, because I had a lot of peppers for my garden. But don't get me started on the gardener. I'll stress out again. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for telling a friend, and if you think about it, get on there and review this podcast. Give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, remember this. Expectations are premeditated resentments. We shall find peace. We shall hear angels. We shall see the sky sparkling with diamonds. That's Anton Chekhov and I'm Robin and I love you guys. Bye-bye.